Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, here we go. I think this is episode 10, huh, Neil Ryan? I never know. I have to ask him. He's my guy who knows this sort of stuff. Today, we have Shane Saxton, our buddy from up north, up north of Jackson, um, selling a bunch of stuff up there. We're going to talk about what it is to be in a seller's market right now before we do that. Hey, of course, Southern Ag Credit is... Huntland Man Podcast is brought to you by Southern Ag Credit. They take good care of us. I know they do stuff with Shane. A little different market up there, but the same great rates and the same great service with Southern Ag Credit. They do stuff for us personally. They do stuff for our clients, and they're great people to work with. So y'all check them out, Southern Ag Credit. Shane, thank you for being here, bud. Man, I'm glad I could come. It's not too far to drive down here. Would take about an hour and 20 minutes? Mm, yeah, just a lot of pine trees on the way. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Little history, so I went to Belhaven, graduated from up there, and when I first went up there, Shane's brother was the same class as me. We knew a lot of the same people for some high school sports and things like that, and uh, of course, uh, we both liked to hunt too much, and uh, then, Shane, how much younger are you, brother? Uh, two years younger. Okay, so Shane's two years younger, which makes him an old man just like myself. And uh, anyway, we started hunting together and stuff and just stayed in touch. And then Shane has done some a lot of the outdoor TV stuff like uh, I've done. And then and got into real estate. This is your third or fourth year? Oh, this is the third year. And look, he's rocking and rolling. He, uh, if, we, if, if New Ride don't get to work, he's going to catch us. I don't know about that now. But uh, Shane, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. All right, today we're going to dive right into this thing. Um, right now, as everybody knows, this is a seller's market. I want to t- touch on two things, two main topics of this. What is a seller's market and what does that mean right now? Now, the seller's market, we can talk about this and what this means in years to come, but 
What does that mean right now? What are you seeing up in your market, Shane? Tell us a little bit about what you do up there. Yeah, mostly I would say my core areas, Yazoo County, um, Madison County, and Hines and Warren County, some Holmes County and the Tallis stuff, but mostly Yazoo and Madison's probably my core stuff. But, you know, the market that we have up there is similar to y'all's. Um, we have an inventory problem, you know, and especially the, the quality stuff. I mean, as soon as it hits the market, you know, we used to say, you know, the, the smaller tracks go fast, so you better, you know, get on it. But we're seeing now, it doesn't matter if a thousand acre track or, or 80 acre track, it, it, they're going quick. And, you know, a lot of people used to say, hey, well, let's, let's offer them this, you know, let's see if the seller will take it. You know, and I would say before the last year, you know, it was some negotiation room in there. But now it seems like, you know, whatever the seller's, you know, the list price is, is it's not a whole lot of wiggle room in it. Um, and it really is frustrating to buyers because they all think, you know, hey, I want to get a deal. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, it's selling. I mean, obviously the land values, we don't, we don't see them ever going down. I mean, you don't ever hear a phone call from a seller say, hey man, think about selling a place, the value's going down. You know, it's not like looking at the stock market, you know, to get frustrated and like, man, it's going down, I'm ready to sell. Well, that's the beauty of land. They're not making any more of it. So the sellers know what they got. So it's, so even in, in a seller's market, the buyers, and it's a win for them, in my opinion, with the interest rates that Southern Ag giving nowadays. I mean, you're getting interest rates after their dividends, I mean, you're in the 2%. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Cheap money. Free money. Yeah. I mean, it's almost an interest-free loan. And Shane has some history with timber. And, you know, if our timber at a minimum of growing 5 to 8% a year, and your, and your interest rate's only 2.7, you know, you're, you're gaining 2 to 5% a year right there. Um, Shane, I didn't mention this earlier, Shane works for Hopper Properties, a great company. They've got some good agents that work up there and they're growing like crazy. He didn't know this, but I, me and his boss talk all the time about what's going on with their business and, and how they're growing and things they're doing. And, and it's just interesting to watch because I remember seeing when their first signs went up there in Jackson and, and some different big companies that are up there that have definitely gone backwards and Hopper has done has gone forward so they're definitely doing something right some great people to work with up there and Shane said the counties he work in and what basically that means you know your Hines is Jackson and then of course Yazoo is over by Yazoo City over towards the Delta and all really really good hunting and as Shane was talking before the podcast the you know like our Baton Rouge is there Jackson so if a guy can get in his truck and drive 45 minutes an hour from from Jackson or Madison to good hunting, you know, that's that's where they want to be. And the, and the Shane, correct me if I'm wrong, the closer you are to town. Oh yeah, definitely the more higher price. higher price. Yeah, I would say lately the biggest influx of pricing we're seeing is probably in Yazoo County just because Madison's growing and um, people want recreational property in Benton, Bentonia, uh, especially they're just, we're seeing prices just skyrocket. Um, and you know, we saw this probably I don't know, two years ago, and we said, man, it just seems like it's going to slow down, but it, it really hadn't. Um, but, you know, I work a lot of the Delta. You just, you don't get as much, you know, I guess volume of sales out in the Delta just because most farmers, they hold on to it for long term. So it's not a whole lot of volume that we see down in the Delta. I love selling stuff there and, and on the river, but it's just very few and far in between that people actually sell. But, um, 
but now the Madison County, I mean, recreational property in it, it's obviously it's still booming. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. And like you said, that the land is appreciating if just the timber alone, you're making money, but that's not counting the value of the dirt that it's actually increasing. Um, now, when you said, when you said that made me think of something, Shane, I told, I've been telling some of this for years, but here lately, even more timber's awesome you know we all grew up in a timber industry whatever but i would say this our dirt prices are outgrowing our timber prices in southwest mississippi are you seeing the same thing yeah definitely i mean some you know used to i would say even before i got in the actual selling of real estate being a real estate agent um i helped a lot of people you know find properties and just mostly doing some wildlife habitat stuff for them and i would go and say hey yeah this looks like a good place for you know a long-term investment and obviously the hunting would be good we could do this could do this to increase the habitat on it but the dirt values i mean they're they're definitely outgrowing the timber prices and i mean it's, it's crazy that what we see in the price of lumber at home depot but we're not seeing it at our landowners getting that but i think it's getting better but, um, that's actually I'm hearing that a lot of people I've, I've had it here both ends of the spectrum oh I hear timber ain't worth nothing and then I hear man I saw the prices of wood timber's got to be doing real good to answer everybody's question that has not hit Mississippi or Louisiana yet to the landowner and, and what it is it's somebody apparently making a lot of money in the middle but what they say is you know the workers in the factories and things like that with COVID is a supply and demand just like everything else everything's going up you know the what the seller's market is is you know there's a our inventory's down so there's a high influx of buyers low inventory you know it don't matter if you're selling it'll never matter if you're selling shotguns or land if there's only a few on the shelf and there's a lot of buyers they're going to go for more and it's the same way with the timber but to go back to what we were talking about our dirt is outgrowing our timber and just to remind everybody the way these prices that shane shows up at your house and he's going to list your hundred acres He's gonna know in the county, the area he's working in, he's gonna know, okay, here's what the dirt usually sells for, here what your timber sells for. And then, you know, if you have any amenities as far as camps or food plots or lakes or just a really unique feature, he's gonna know what it sells for. And the way we go about pricing these things is basically we do the same thing an appraiser's gonna do. We just don't put a stamp that says we're appraiser on it. And look, my appraisal buddies that might shoot me when I say this, but I honestly believe your good agents are the real, the best way to get a value of the place because it doesn't matter what it appraises for, what somebody will give you for it is what it's worth. That's right. I mean, you know, just honestly, Southern Ag is probably one of my biggest um, helps finding values too because if I'm looking at a property in Kent. What agent do you use with Southern Ag? Um, I would say Pate Mute probably the, is who I use the most, but they're all great. Kevin, um, he's really good, and they're really, um, Jamie, man, they're I've all great. Jamie before. Yeah, I, I like Jamie actually. Um, Jamie is, I guess, a, he's been there a little longer. Um, he's a little busier at times. But uh, I actually sold Jamie a track last year. Um, really nice place right outside of um, Who did you use for financing? I don't know. I, he, may, he may have jumped ship on him. I don't know. But, uh, but no, Southern Ag, I mean, you know, in our world, like you said, what it's worth, what it appraised for is that's where we get our comps. And a lot of times, you know, if we're having a certain piece of property that we're trying to 
find values for if we have trouble trying to get that number up. We may call Southern Ag Credit and say, hey, what do y'all have on the books? Because obviously there's some stuff that sells off the market, especially with the market we're in. We got a lot of buyers that, that want to try to find something. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, the seller's market, it gets frustrating for buyers that like, well, I don't want to buy right now because I feel like I'm overpaying. Well, at the end of the day, if, if, if it's comparable sales out there showing that it's that value, obviously you're not overpaying. And when's the last time we've seen recreational land prices go down? Even in 08, when the rest of the world's real estate values went down, ours may have done this, but it never went down. And that's something, you know, any market or any product is gonna, you know, they're gonna have ups and downs, but we, ours is steadily going up. Now, you know, I just use the example for my family's property. You know, uh, my dad bought a big piece of family property we have in the early 90s for $450 an acre, and it's probably worth 4000 an acre right now. And we've cut a whole generation of timber off of it since then. So. Oh, yeah. It's always it's a safe investment. I'm always trying to learn about money and where people are investing and the value of the dollar and it's Bitcoin and all this. And I said this the other day, and you'll like this, Shane. Is somebody I've got buddies that are super into this cryptocurrency, and it's interesting. You know, I watch it and pay attention to it on Facebook and listen to things about it. And the fact that Elon Musk or any other billionaire can tweet something, and the market does this with stocks or cryptocurrency or whatever it is. Let me tell you. I don't care who tweets what tomorrow. Land values, recreational values are still going to be going up. Don't matter. They, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, you name it, they can tweet anything they want to about land. And our values are not going to change. And that says something. Oh, I agree. And it's, you know, you know, we're mostly, at least I do, I'm sure you too, mostly dealing with recreational land. Um, I do commercial land. I do residential uh, stuff too. But the recreational land prices they don't get hit with the hikes and the ups mm -hmm. the ups and downs it's a steady like you said increase you know when 08 hit and the east coast west coast a lot of their land prices went down um house values went down but here recreational values they never really went down they just made it stood still and that's i mean that's a lot to be said and I get guys all the time that's getting close to retirement and they're like, man, I'm, I got to have all this money in the stock market, but I mean, it's a, it's on computer screen to me. Mm -hmm. I can't touch, feel, and use it. So they want to invest in land. Now granted, you don't have to sell everything you got in the stock market to, to get land. But Especially as cheap as it is to borrow money, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing, honestly, I would say in the past 30 days, I had four or five buyers that was going to pay cash. Mm -hmm for it and you know hey we'll cash out my portfolio or cash some of it out well guess what they go talk to their investment banker and they're like man you're crazy you know you can get interest and man it's almost interest free so still getting to have your money in the stock market you can have that and essentially have your increase you know in values with your land and essentially interest-free loan almost right now but and get to enjoy it i mean that's that's what i see more than anything you know somebody wants to do something with their money, actually get to touch and feel it, and while it's increasing in catch, value, catch a fish on it, kill a deer. Look, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care what your interest rate is. I don't care what you paid for it. The other day when I left my place in Missouri, and this is applies to every client I have. The other day when I left my place and I slept on the porch at daylight to leave, there was a turkey hammering right down in that bottom by that eighty across the road. And I was thinking, you know what? This was a good idea buying this place. He was hammering down there. He'll be there next year when I go up there. So you didn't have your gun? 
Well, it's a little bit after the season, but, but you know. Man, my grandfather told me the only season he knew was salt and pepper. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you know what, what uh, man, man made hunting season and God made turkeys, I'm going with the big man. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I didn't ever see in the good book talk about hunting, hunting seasons and times and all that, you know. That's right. I, you know, I've been doing these every morning on my update. I've been doing these uh, verses of the day, and I, you know, I've not come across one yet that said, you know, only hunt during hunting season. And we're picking, okay. We're just picking here. <laughs> but, uh, all right, a couple of things. I'll make sure we go down our list. I have my little list here of things to go down. Let's make sure we define this. What is the seller's market? All right, you have buyer's market, you have a seller's market. Right now we have low inventory, so we have a seller's market. That means, for lack of a better word, the sellers are in control. Um, they can demand higher prices, you know, uh, at asking price or above or at appraisal price or above. Um, you know, and that's one thing that we're protected by, you know, on our Mississippi contracts and on a lot of states' contracts. And there's a little box you check on that this property has to appraise. So if you do make an offer and it doesn't appraise, it gives you some protection. Now, we're in such a seller's market right now that the seller might say, I don't care if it doesn't appraise because if you don't buy it, somebody will be here tomorrow. I mean, that's just a fact of the matter. And you can't, as a buyer, get frustrated because if you, you put yourself in the seller's shoes, and Shane and I have to do this, or any agent has to do this, you have to say, okay, let's just step back and look at everybody's situation. And if you're a seller, of course, you want to get the most you can for your land. Now, if you're a buyer, you want to get it for the best value you can. So we try to get somewhere that everybody's comfortable. And, you know, I'm... If a, if, a, if a client, I feel like he's paying, you know, more than a property's worth, and I'll say, listen, I think this is more than it's worth, but if you want it, and I'm just going to throw this out there, look, money's money, and $10,000 and $10,000 and $100,000 is $100,000, but if you're buying a million dollar piece of property, I ask clients, I literally ask them this all the time, I say, listen, you know, if they're thinking about, okay, you want to offer this much money or this much money, I ask them, I say, is this twenty-five or is this fifty thousand dollars? Are you gonna be mad if you don't get it because of this? And we're talking about a million or two million dollar property. They said, "You darn right, I'll be mad." I said, "Well, don't offer twenty-five thousand dollars less or fifty thousand dollars less." If you're not, if you're gonna be mad because something can happen in between, or the buyer can come in, and then real estate, what can happen will happen, and it's the weirdest thing. When somebody makes an offer on a property, it's like it, it gets magnetized, and everybody's, "Oh, I'm interested now," and it's weird. So right now. In this seller's market, which we just defined, you know, the sellers are in control. If you see a property you like, act fast and act hard. And I'm going to ask you a question on that, Shane. What are you having to do different with your buyers as far as offers now? Okay, are you, are you, you know, there's a thing called some escalation clauses and there's a, um, you know, people are making their offers different than they did maybe 18 months ago. So, you know, last year was, last year was busy. And I don't know if this year getting busier. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I said last year, man, it could, couldn't get any busier. You know, it's it's great. You know, real estate market's doing great. But I agree. I mean, I'm thinking busier this year than it was last year. And I would say on the that's you know what's different this year is it. I want to say sellers are are kind of more used to this market because mm-hmm. you know we thought it was going to slow down, and and sellers have seen it. You know, going for you know obviously well over a year, of, so they know what they got. So I would say you know the escalating clauses and stuff like that. I mean I've seen it, um, but I would and I tell buyers the same thing you tell them. Look, you want to offer this, 
is it gonna be is it gonna really bother you to miss this property because it's possible that somebody else can come in or the seller don't take it and you know we're when you deal with negotiations you know it's a lot of emotions um you know so you want you want the buyer to be in a good place you want the seller to be in a good place so essentially you know everybody's like hey well i don't want to insult them but at the end of the day it's it's, it's trying to get that property and knowing knowing what you need to do for your buyer to make sure they can get it. Now, obviously we can't tell the future, but, but we obviously can tell them just like, Hey, what is, what is $10,000 to you? If you miss this, you know? Um, and if they say, well, it really ain't that big a deal. Then, you know, we, we may want to get right on the front end, you know, because you may not get that second chance. And that's obviously we can't tell the future, but at the end of the day, what's, what's ten twenty thousand dollars on a million dollar piece of property over the life of you owning it that's right peanuts mm-hmm. um, if you're planning on giving it to your grandchildren yeah you know that that's not gonna matter that is i would say buying land for for most people and that's probably why i enjoy it more than anything 90 percent of the buyers that buy land it' necessarily buying it for themselves, mm-hmm. and it's the most unselfish act i think that a human can do for a family I mean, something that you want to buy and leave for generations to come. I mean, that's something to be said. I mean, we buy cars, we buy houses, but we buy a lot of things. But when they buy a piece of land, it's the only thing that they possibly could leave for generations in their family. Um, and it's and that's probably one of the most enjoyable parts for me because it's you get to see it, you know, mm-hmm. and you get to hear the stories. Um, so 20 years, if your family owns it for 20, 40 years, was twenty thousand dollars? Right. I mean, no, it, it will it will be irrelevant then. You're hundred percent right. That's a. Uh, it's always fun, like Shane said, when you get a client that sends you a picture of a big giant deer, and you're like, or, or the who cares about the giant? The first four point, the the look, the, yeah. the grandson killed, or the turkey, or the fish, or or just riding boulders or whatever. You know, that's that's what it's all about. And and look. I don't want anybody listening to this thing and say, oh, them boy, them rich real estate agents said 10000 We didn't say $10,000 wasn't a lot of money because I'll, I'll fight you over it right now. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you have to put yourself in perspective. And what Shane, something Shane said, it's a huge topic. Anytime you're in negotiation, we're usually dealing with successful business people or you know, doctors, whatever, people that have done good with their money usually. Yeah. And they want to win a negotiation. And sometimes you have to say, look, the, the goal isn't to win. The goal is about this property. And let's not get it. It's easy for us because we do whatever, but let's not get emotional about that ten or fifty thousand dollars. Let's be smart about this because I couldn't tell you. And every agent listening to this would say the same thing. How I many? Well, look, he going to insult me with that. Look, look, no, no, he just wrote a number on a paper. It's bit is business. Don't he, take it personal. Yeah, he, That's he didn't what I said. Okay, he wrote a number on a piece of paper. You know, <laughs> let's not take it. All right, well, I'm going to keep going down the list, Shane. So as you kind of touched on a little bit, so you think your year's going better this year than last year? Yeah, I would say I'm probably up about 15% of probably what it was from last year. Wow. Um, but it's, I mean, obviously it's it's all client-based too, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes you have a bigger track and some smaller because you got to do the same amount of work on a, sometimes on a smaller track as you do on a big track. Um, but I, I would say the, the, what I see more than anything is, the big tracks that are selling, you know, a lot, a lot faster and a lot better values than we were seeing before. Whenever you're going, if it's housing or, or recreational land or commercial, whatever, when you're listing a piece of property right now, 
I know I have an opinion of this right now. I want to hear your opinion. I'm taking a couple of listings that I would beat the seller up a little bit more on higher price because right now some of those things are selling for prices that I didn't think they'd sell for. Are you seeing the same? Yeah, I agree. And it and it's kind of, you know, and I'm, I call myself, I'm not the yes man. You know, a lot of people say, hey, I want this. You're not an order taker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know, hey, well, I want to list it for this, you know, well, we're not going to be able to get show value for comps. It's not going to praise for that, you know? And so <clears throat> you're right. I mean, obviously it kind of goes against what, what our common logic is when we're going to list the property, you know, cause most people in the past, they didn't pay more than appraised value right. unless it possibly touched them or they had some, some sort of interest in the property. But nowadays, yeah, I mean, sellers and, you know, most people that own land that's selling it's owned it for a long time for at least five to 20, 30, 40 years. I sold a couple of tracks in the past six months. It's been in the family for over a hundred years. Wow. So, you know, it's a lot of emotional ties for a seller to sell something. So obviously when they get a number in their head, I always ask, Hey, where did you get the number? You know, cause you know, we got to figure out what, how you come up with that. Cause on paper, you know, when it comes to appraising, we got to figure out how to make it, make it work. But I would say, you know, we are getting more than we would normally get for properties just because it's the inventory thing. But, but yeah, I mean, I would say it's, it's tougher on us listing agents because, you know, if you, if you tell them, Hey, it's worth this. And the next guy rolls up and said, Hey, it's, it's worth this. You know, they're normally going to try to go with the person that said the highest number. You know? Shane is touching on something that's so important right now. And it actually, it could devote a whole podcast to it. And I listened to somebody else, um, at a, on a different podcast talking about this the other day. And I was like, wow, I do this, but I didn't realize I did it. You know, so what I said to Shane a second ago, Shane's not an order taker. Any good agent is not an order taker. An agent is there to advise you. And look, sellers, buyers, if you're being stupid, they're there to advise you if you're making a stupid move. You can't think that you step into our arena. And what I mean, our arena is real estate. We're professionals. You know, no different than if you go to a doctor or if you go to, if somebody's good at their job, you need to listen to them. So if they're telling you, look, this is not smart, the decisions you're making, you need to listen. If somebody just says, "Yeah, I'll list it for that." Yeah, yeah, it's worth that. Uh, they're just they're just a car salesman. Like, yeah, I mean, if so, if they saying, and, and and if they're just saying yeah to everything you say, you need to say, "Hmm, maybe I'm with the wrong person. Maybe I'm doing the wrong things." You need to have somebody that's educated. And Shane, I want you to touch on this. I talked to a seller about this this week, and they said, "Well, I, they were trying to list it, of course, a lot higher than I recommended." I said, "Well, listen, I realize." Your goal is to get the most money for your property. It's my goal too, but guess what? Because every dollar you make, I make a percentage of that. So it's my goal too. But my goal is to sell your property. And to get the most amount of money for your property, it may actually be for listing it for less. And, and market rust is a real thing. And in this new age of the past 10 years of how people buy property on the internet, I think it's quantified even more. It's like times 10 because if you put an ad for a piece of property, I don't care how many times the assistants and, and, and people in the front office delete it. It don't go away. If you list a piece of property, I can go find your listing somewhere on some site. It's still going to be there in Google. Like, you can't erase it. And so if you list it way above value, people look at it like Shane and I was going, if, if one of our clients asks about yeah, it's overpriced and we move on, we don't even know the numbers because they're so irrelevant. 
But if you list it just a little above, you know, just like, okay, that's close. I can see this. Maybe I need to go look at that to see why it's worth a little bit more. That's how you get the most money for your property. But if you put it, you know, an extra 10, 15, 20, or whatever percent, nobody shows up. And then in six months when you get to a real value, still nobody's going to show up. So to summarize that, in order to get the maximum out for your property, maybe actually listing it for less. I totally agree. I mean, it's, <clears throat> you said, I mean, it's like, and once you start dropping the price, if you list it too high, you look vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So you're not less likely, somebody's gonna say, well, he's been dropping it, so I'm sure he'd take less. And they automatically think that the seller's in some kind of bind, that they gotta sell it. All And all the while, you just listed it too high. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, me and Slade actually just talking about this on a piece of property that me and him were gonna co-list, and. We told the seller what it was worth, and he didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to list it for what we wanted to. And we said, "We hey, we understand, but you know, you're just going to waste your own time." Well, guess what he got for that piece of property? Exactly to the penny what we told him it was worth. After the fourth, well, Shane and I, another good buddy of mine, and then another good buddy of mine who actually listed and sold him. Congrats to him. But it was the fourth realtor that told him the same thing. And they, they got a real good value for the property and, and a really good value for it. But it was $250,000 or 25% less than where he wanted to list it from the beginning. So, you know, it just took four people to tell him. Unfortunately, we weren't any of the people that got paid, but that happens sometimes. It's all good. But at the end of the day, it's, it's just staying, I would say, being trustworthy. You know, even if you're not going to make money in it. Because a lot of people, you know, they, they, want, they want somebody to tell them yes. Hey, yeah, I can get that for your property. Mm -hmm. Where at the end of the day, I mean, if you tell them the truth, and even if you don't sell it, they'll know that you told them the truth at the end. And they have to just trust. I mean, it's a lot of trust. I mean, because obviously we're dealing with some people's biggest assets that they have in their life. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, you want to you do the best you can for them. And like you said before, trust me, we want to sell it. Mm -hmm. I mean... If we list it, we're not making any money. It's costing us money right. if it's not selling because we're spending a lot of money on marketing and time. And time is, is something in the real estate world. I know you deal with it. I deal with it. I can't get to everybody. Mm -hmm. So every person that you meet with, you want to make it you know, make it work. But at the end of the day, time is the only thing we can't get back. That's so. right. It's the most valuable asset we have. And, and speaking of what you're talking about, I had a client yesterday. It was a $2 million deal. And I went and looked at it for him hoping to list it. And then once I got there and digged into it a little more and I was knowing what he was possibly wanting for it. And I said, well, look, I think it's worth this. And I just, I'll tell you, look, he thought it was worth about, you know, 5,000 an acre. And I said, look, I think best case scenario, 4,500. And this is an area, I mean, a really good area, a really big track and just giant timber and just a really cool area. And he said, well, look, I can get, I can get, uh, I won't say too much. I can get this for it. And I told him, I said, listen, you can believe every word I'm about to say because I'm going to make zero dollars. You need to take that right now. And I said, I, I, I said, even if you list it with me, you know, I, I got to get mine on top of that. I said, you need to take that right now. And he said, well, man, I really appreciate it. If something happens, I'm going to definitely call you to talk about signing up and listening. And I said, but look, I'm telling you, you need to take that right now, and, and you and you got to be like that. You got to be trustworthy, and because I guarantee you that client one day he'll be back, and he's got friends, and and, and you know that's what you want to be. And it's actually hard to overcome the car salesman mentality. So this is such a new age we're in. 
in the past, I've been doing real estate 15 years now. And when I first started 15 years ago, there was still the old guard, if you will, of the Rolodex, the people that were in your phone, signs in the yard, these are the guys you call. Like the internet, of course, 15 years ago was a big thing, but it was not what it is now. Like if you had a good website, you were actually different. Oh, he's got a good website, and most people don't. Most people, this is who you call, they know about properties, they know landowners, and there was a lot of hustling and backdoor dealing, and I'm not saying everybody was like this, but there was a lot of stuff that went on, like, oh man, we'll sell him this track, we'll cut the timber, yada, you know, and, but look, information is so easy to get to now. People that do that last no time in the market anymore. You know, some, one bad one bad Google and, and, and you know, 100,000 100, people know about it. So, you know, I think it's hard to get over that fact, and I, that's one thing I preach to my clients. And if you go and ask 20 of my clients, they say, look, you, you trust Slade. You know, he, he's going to tell you the truth. And, and, and I know Shane's the same way. You know, listen, I'm not, your one deal is not going to make or break me. And, and that's cool to be in a position. I know Shane's in that position in his, in, his, in his market. So it's not worth it to me. To, I don't, you know, if I don't close your deal tomorrow, me and my family are going to still eat, which is the most important thing. And, and so that's a good position to be in. And you can, you know, it's easy to tell, it's easy to tell the truth because you're not in a position where you got to close tomorrow. Well, we've kind of colored up. Uh, covered a lot of this seller's market stuff. So we're going to get to the real important part of the podcast. All right, Shane, what you got going on for deer season this year? I, I, is it on your brain yet or are you too busy at real estate? I saw you at the beach last week, so I know you, you like yeah. crayfish at the beach. Well, deer, I actually was talking to a buddy on uh, about a deer lease that he's getting into while I was waiting on the slave because I was actually early for once this morning. But, um, but yeah, deer is always on the brain. Um, I mean, I got some home farms that I hunt that's within five, 10 minutes of the house. Um, I actually got some cameras out now. They actually got pretty decent bone on their head already. So where, where are yours at up there right now? Um, Some, I'd say right around the ears, a couple of them, some, some of them. Some forked? Yeah, some forked, barely forked. Some some just coming out of the, it's, um, it's kind of weird how they, but our breeding season in Mississippi is all over the place. I've got one deer that lives in front of my house and I'm 95% sure it's him already. He's on his threes already. It's, and, and he's a seven, I think he's seven, maybe older. Found his sheds last year. I'm 90% sure it's a deer I call, um, I call Pokey. And it's, he's so far ahead and he dropped his sheds in February, which normal, normal yeah. time. So it's weird. Yeah, I think it's just our Mississippi breeding season, the fawning, they're all over the place. So I think it's kind of hard for all our deer to get in in the same growing spell. Same thing, I mean, I've seen falls last year in January. Right. I mean, which is crazy, but that is normal for Mississippi. But um, but no, it's, it's definitely, the hunting is always on the brain. I mean, I would say, I get, this sounds crazy, but... I, I get more out of, I guess, now just going and talking with other people and hearing their stories than, than I do out of my own. Um, and I, because he's killed way too many big deer. Yeah. Well, I'm, my daughter Swayze is, keeps me to the ground because if I show her pictures of deer, I can't go hunting without her. How old is she now? She is six. And she's killed a, a couple of deer already. Yeah, yeah, she killed her first deer when she was three with a crossbow. Mm -hmm. Um, so she killed her that first. Means Asa this fall, we gotta get her old one. She uh, and last year, 
and I'm, I hate to say this, but the, the generation of hunting that some people, the big bucks, you got to be a big deer and kids killing, you know, giant deer and really didn't have to hunt for it. Like I didn't let her shoot a buck until this past year. Mm-hmm. Like it was, that was those. Pretty, good, pretty good buck too. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good, uh, cold seven point that she shot with the crossbow. It was actually first day of bow season. Um, and we had a really nice 10 point that was coming probably 150 something inch deer, but I didn't want her to shoot it. Not cause I saved it for myself because I wanted to, I wanted to earn it. I mean, I hate to say it like that. And, and I didn't kill the deer. We could have killed the deer. We let him live, but it's, it's kids nowadays. You know, when we were hunting, I mean, we saw a deer. We were, what like, was your first deer? It was a duck. No, it was a four point. I mean, it was like 80 pounds shot it with a 410 slug. Never, never will forget it. Um, but it's, it's. I don't know. I mean, I think our generation and and after us, they they're kind of missing the the hunt, you know. And that's it's, something I I talk to clients about all the time on the buggy when we ride. And, you know, we're talking about you know they're buying the property for their kids. And look, I'm as into deer management as anybody. But you, as fathers, you know, you look at this totally different. Like at some point, we. Whenever you killed your first deer, when you had your first feeling, whenever you're, you know, your first 20 deer, growing the biggest deer you could ever grow, who wasn't even in the conversation, I want to go deer hunting. Yeah, I want to shoot something. I want to shoot, and, and, and look, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And with cameras and stuff these days, that's what's done it, because we know what's there. Oh yeah, I agree. You know, and, and so I don't know, I, I'm going to be real, I'm going to be, I don't know, I got a lot of thinking to do about, you know, I got a new baby boy, Rafe. And Asa and Bentley, Bentley's killed a deer and he's killed a uh, he's killed a turkey, but he's not super into it. I think he's getting more into it a little bit. But it's it's all us fathers of this age. We got to figure out how we're gonna navigate new deer hunting without messing up our kids. Yeah, I mean it's the problem I see is like they're they'll kill a big deer at a really young age and kind of lose interest in my opinion, but. And it may not be the trophy. It may be just how we're doing it. But I don't know. I guess, I mean, think about how long it was before you killed a 130-inch deer. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, like, a really long time. I mean, I, I would say, I think I was 13, 14 years old. And what's even different is when Shane and I were young, unless you turned on TNN, like outdoor channel wasn't even around. Mm-hmm. Unless you turned on TNN or you had a Monster Bucks tape, tape, yeah, I said tape. Do you know what that is, Ryan? They, they, they was these big black things, you know? But unless you had that, like, like to see a 130-inch deer, you had to turn on the TV. Like, yeah. I remember, like, deer to this day that people drug up to different deer camps and stuff, rode around on the hood of the truck, because you couldn't send it on a cell phone, there weren't even cell phones, that were probably 130-inch deer. I can remember to this day these giants because I was like, oh wow, I mean, that, he must be the best hunter ever. He, that, that big old eight point kill, you know? And now, you know, it's like, and you see these memes about it, but it's so true. It's like, did you have any pictures of him? You have any sheds of him last year? Yeah. Like, what, what you think he scored? How old is he? Who cares? I mean, look, I'm into that too. I'm super into it. Like, I mean, I want everybody to let one go to their five and bow hunt and do it like, but I mean, at the end of the day, we're, I think we're missing the boat. The beauty of it is, though, is you know as well as I know, and this is any state, not just Mississippi, but only probably 10 to 15% at most of our bucks will become trophy deer. Mm-hmm. You know, so kids, you got plenty of bucks from the shoot, and not necessarily the mm-hmm. biggest, 
So, I mean, calling deer, I mean, I think, I think that's where we're missing out more than anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to shoot the calls, you know. I don't care what it is, you know. If, he, if, he's, if he's four or six years old, mm-hmm. I want to let the air out of him. And that's know? one thing that I think that I, why I, if you look at, I told somebody, I told somebody on the buggy yesterday, I said, listen, I've killed a couple over 170. I think I've killed like 12 or 14 over 150. I told somebody the other day, I said, if a 130-inch deer, if a 125-inch deer walks by me opening day of bow season, you won't find a happier hunter in Mississippi. I'm just, and and, and the I think the reason is, is I have a rule in Mississippi, if he's four years old and older with my bow, unless I'm on somebody's place that the rules are different. If he's four years old and older with my bow, I don't shoot him and act it. Whatever. I'm not saying I haven't ever passed one up. In fact, we passed up a five-year-old last year. I'm trying to grow the best one I ever killed in Mississippi and be like Shane. But um, the, and it's just so fun. Look, I still get pumped up over, over a doe. I mean, literally in the past five years, I picked up my rifle in a box stand and had to put it down because my heart was beating too fast on a doe. And I don't know if everybody's like that, but I, this is what I tell people who don't hunt. I say, I ask them, okay, did you play football? Yeah, I play football. I said, do you remember opening kickoff, big game playoffs? And like you knew that you know you're if you're a headhunter on the kickoff team you're about to you know you're about to hit somebody and that feeling that's deer hunting or that's that's when you can hear him drumming right over the ridge or that's when you hear those mallards circling and you can't see them yet but you know they're about to be in the decoys I'm speaking Ryan language now big duck hunter you know but that's that's deer hunting and and I, Shane's done it Ryan hadn't done it and the elk oh that's just a whole that may be the state championship on the last play of the game. It's 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 turkey hunting on steroids. I mean, turkey hunting is probably my favorite thing, and and the only thing about an elk is they can smell good. And, and turkeys, if they could smell, it would be the same as elk hunting. It'd be hard, really hard to kill them. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say, like you said, I mean, it's it's the adrenaline rush that you get that it's undescribable until you're in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. I would say it's Joe Montana said it best. The great ones figure out how to slow that moment down when it feels so fast. So anytime you get in the moment, that deer ain't running. That turkey ain't running. He's doing his thing. He does this every day. Slow it down. Take your time. And see, my, I've had to figure out, like, you, 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 I've guided a lot of people, so you, you figure out different ways people process it and stuff like that. My process is, Forget all of it. When you see him, he knows you're sure your goal is to kill him. Like, I don't, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm in kill mode. And, and if I think about it, oh, I, yeah, I'm going to try to put it right there. That's when it all messes up. That's when the target pin act. But if, if I, see, the best thing can happen to me, if a booner walks on me and I want, it's to happen real fast. That's the best. All instinct then. But if they come in, you got to think about it for a long time or watch him come all across the field, then you're like, Everything's good. Nothing. Oh, that's good. Oh, camera on. Oh, that's when it gets you. I would say Swayze. Girls she, do it better. She she can't. I get more nervous than her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all seen any of the little turkey hunts I have with her. I'm over here shook up, like barely can talk, and she's over here just calm and cool and collected. You know, mm-hmm. and just smokes them. Girls and guiding over the years, I've seen this young, old, doesn't matter. Girls don't put the pressure on themselves that we do. You know, we're testosterone, man. Yeah, I, I shot a 150 inch deer, 200 yards running with 
you know, 50 mile an hour wind. Where were you sitting? You know, that kind of thing. Girls are like, yeah, daddy just told me to put it on there and squeeze the trigger and he fell over. Like they, they, they don't put emotion into it. Man, I, I totally agree. And she's, she's a, Swayze's teaching me a lot about hunting and it's, it's, it's changes. I mean, how old's your youngest one? Uh, two. Shaylee is, she's, she loves watching the turkey hunting. But um, Shaylee's probably going to be different. I don't think she's going to have the patience that Swayze does. Mm -hmm. um, she's like, I want something now. Are we going to try for a little boy or are we done? <sighs> I told my wife, I, after Shaylee, she's she's so rough. She's crazy. <laughs> I mean, like, Swayze was like the prodigy child. Like, easy, can almost take care of herself. Mm -hmm. Shaylee, it's every minute you got to be, got to be watching. Because she's going to get in something. She's going to tear it up. Or she's gonna hit somebody with the broomstick. I think so. <laughs> ben, Bentley's a lot. Bentley's like calm, cool, collective. He's very kind of a shy child. Mm. Asa will stomp in that door. What's your name? Come on, we going out here. Like the difference is like Bentley. Like okay, I'll shoot the deer and take my time. This is a true story. Asa. This happens almost every day now. Like so, the first time I brought Asa in a box in last day of deer season this year, she was I guess just turned three. We're all in the box stand, really just there to look at deer at the house. And the first doe steps in, she wants to shoot it, Daddy. Like, oh, and then, so I've got a thermal every night. I've been checking my front field because I've got two hogs been coming in there. And I told her last night, I said, there's two deer to feed her up there. And she said, shoot them, Daddy. I mean, she is just, she's so Killer. Mm -hmm. But no, it kind of was kind of a bittersweet story when COVID hit last year. Shay, uh, Swayze had her Eastern already in Mississippi and had her Florida turkey. Osceola already killed, or already had the rest of the trip lined out. She was going to be one of the youngest girls or kids ever to complete the Grand Slam. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.